0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Inspirited Politics podcast, focused on exploring and inspiring innovation in politics. My name is Satara Edward, and I'm the founder of Inspirited Politics. In this series, we talk about unleashing the potential in politics to create a positive impact on our society for the long term. I speak to guests from inside and outside the political arena, asking them to shine their light on conscious innovation in politics. Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking to Rosie Bell. Rosie is a writer whose work is rooted in philosophy, performing arts, and contemplative practice. I personally love how she describes her work on her website. Increasingly, we are surrounded by noise, and I have no wish to create more. The work I like doing is the sort that leaves the world containing less bullshit and more beauty than it did before. Today, she is joining us as a co-author at the Mindfulness Initiative to discuss their work and a paper she recently wrote with Jamie Bristol, Mindfulness, Developing Agency in Urgent Times. Welcome, Rosie.
1: Thank you. It's really good to be here.
0: Thank you for joining me because I know um, the written word is more your forte than the spoken word. So I'm grateful that you are willing to do this recording with me today.
1: Uh, Thanks very much. And
0: thanks for your patience. As I let you know uh, beforehand, we always start with a general opening question for everyone in this series. And what we have asked everyone is no, just imagine that you were asked to speak for the UN General Assembly. And they are talking about conscious innovation in politics and they have seen and heard about your work and they've invited you to speak. What would you speak about and what concern would you address?
1: It's very simply that inner transformation and social change need one another. And that's the work that the Mindfulness Initiative has been doing for several years now. It's really trying to um, trying to dissolve the political narratives that pitch a compassionate society and the development of the individual as somehow contradictory to one another or in competition with one another yeah so the work that the, the work that we're doing is is really trying to position inner transformation at, at the epicenter of of desirable social change
0: and how how do you think that needs doing what's the what's the solution you'll propose
1: for that what we've set out to do really is create a framework for thinking about mindfulness as one tool of inner transformation in the context of of urgent challenges urgent global challenges such as climate change and authoritarianism and escalating tech Um, the the jobs that we need to do together As a global society that can't wait, um, and the ways in which mindfulness can help. Beyond that, it's a question of practice. I mean, really, what we're doing is trying to persuade people to engage with a practice.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we have in common as well. So we say it's the experience that's what helps people over the line because you can't kind of ignore the experience you've had for yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, words will only take us so far, um, but hopefully they'll take us far enough. to convince people to dip a toe in
0: (laughs) yeah exactly um just for our audience who might not be familiar with the mindfulness initiative you have already um, spoken a bit about it but can you just recap for us what the organization is about and um and what you all have achieved so far
1: Yeah, so the Mindfulness Initiative grew out of a a mindfulness training programme in the UK Parliament um, for MPs and peers, but I think over 200 MPs and peers have now participated um, in an eight week mindfulness training course in the UK Parliament and um, The more enthusiastic members, those who um, found it particularly transformative, um, went on to found the UK um, All-Party Parliamentary Group on Mindfulness. So that's a cross-party group that focuses on the issue beyond party politics, essentially. And the Mindfulness Initiative was originally a group of experts and volunteer advocates who who got together to clerk the Mindfulness All-Party Parliamentary Group the first thing they did was support the group to conduct a year long inquiry into the into the potential for mindfulness training um, in different areas of public policy so this culminated in the um, in the mindful nation uk report which was a very specifically costed Departmentalized set of recommendations by by policy area, so recommendations in health, recommendations in education, in criminal justice, and in the workplace, and it basically pulled together vast amounts of evidence from across the mindfulness field, um, scientific evidence of mindfulness, and several years later, some of the recommendations. From the Mindful Nation UK report, have become public policy, specifically in health, or particularly rather in healthcare. That's not um, that's not the entirety of my of the mindfulness initiative, but no. that's kind <laughs> of um... <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's because um, for me, uh, when I first got the idea for Inspirited politics, which is at least four years ago, I remember thinking, you know, how do you introduce this in work? And my and I was just imagining things, and I was just like, I remember walking along the hallway in my office and just thinking you know what would it look like if a parliament would sit in a mindfulness state and I just started googling and then I found this wonderful picture of the UK parliament all in one moment of silence and I thought it hap- it's happening so I really remember um, being becoming very hopeful because of that and especially looking at the background and some MPs who really helped to, to bring that initiative forward so for me that was really stimulating also in in, in continuing my own journeys oh,
1: wonderful yeah no I've, I've, I find it very inspiring too
0: yeah and if people are interested there's a lot of information on your website and I actually have a few videos as well coming from initiatives you all um, did on my own website because I was so motivated by them as well so um, if people want any more information and to see that it is possible and it's not not and you can tip your toe in and that uh, you know it for me it was also inspiring to see mp's from all different backgrounds really speak openly about the benefits of the practice. That makes it very tangible for me as well in a different line of work than healthcare, that how an MP negotiating in difficult circumstances, how the practice can help someone or how it can really uh, help you overcome the fears of speaking in public, for example, or um, so just making it very, very practical and tangible
1: yes absolutely and it's quite i mean it's quite nascent really as well in its in its kind of political format i think the mindful nation uk report was was 2014 which is no time at all ago really and since then you know the mindfulness initiative has hosted a a global congress of politicians who are interested in and in practicing mindfulness um both privately and within their own legislatures which was enormously successful and there's and there have been launches of mindfulness initiatives in several other countries um on on the back of of that so yeah it um work like this i think can only happen at the speed that it happens when we're surrounded by by very urgent global challenges i guess it can be frustrating sometimes that it isn't going faster but yeah it it, it's slow and steady and the progress is the progress is real i think
0: yeah i think that's that's true and it's a field that is um Um, You know, step by step, sometimes things can be accomplished with like kind of a tipping over point as well. So, um, you know, we'll see what's in store for us in that sense as well. And just to make it very practical for a moment, Rosie, how do you just see in your own life or as a writer, which people can perceive as a very cognitive profession, how do you benefit of mindfulness just very practically?
1: personally and particularly in the context of writing I mean I navigate by instinct as a writer so um so yeah mindfulness is um, mindfulness is integral to that but yeah I mean more generally I'm um I'm a cancer survivor um I'm a, a worker in a kind of modern creative precariat that sort of involves a lot of overwhelming information a lot of change but I think for, for me personally, a very deep and portable resource of embodied presence and well-being has, has nourished me throughout a lot of very difficult experience.
0: I would like to talk to you about this paper that you have written and co authored with Jamie Bristow. It is called Mindfulness, Developing Agency in Urgent Times. What motivated you all to write it? And um, can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, the, the Mindfulness Initiative had come to the point where advocacy had been around the Mindful Nation UK report for several years. And what they were advocating were a set of very, a set of lots of very, very different statements about why mindfulness works and what it's good for. It's good for stress. It's good for sleep. It's good for, it's it's effective in education. It's um It has a myriad of different applications. And at the same time, as anything um, that sort of like garners a bit of popular appeal will eventually attract some popular lines of criticism. And one of the most popular lines of criticism around, around the proliferation of mindfulness is, is this very sense that it seems to be so good for so many things that it's kind of, you know, that it, it's being peddled as a panacea and that it's just a kind of like silver silver bullet, throw a bit of mindfulness at anything. And at the same time, there's a kind of a, quite a potent line of criticism coming from a sort of a sort of a left-leaning perspective that mindfulness is also just kind of pouring. I think the phrase was a weak balm of self-improvement on the um, on the on the deeper social issues. So treating the treating the symptoms of societal problems, and as a result. Causing us to ignore the causes essentially, so just actually being a being a palliative when what actually we need is real change. So that was the context in which in which this paper started to try and think. Well, this project began as an attempt to supply a unifying narrative for all of these disparate pieces of evidence, because at, at the same time as there being all of. All of these seemingly very different functions. Advocates of mindfulness, practitioners, teachers tend towards um, this intuitive sense that there's there's really more going on than that. It's not just a sticking plaster for whatever happens to be ailing you, but there's something really foundationally important.
0: Can I just add on to that? Because I think um, the base of our work is transformational presence, and yeah. my uh, mentor and the founder of Transformational Presence, Alan Seal, always says about that, you know, it's not about it being a, a solution to anything. It's about it being the foundation under everything, kind of, as a starting yeah. point for everything that you build on, whatever you are putting on top of that. And, um, and I, for me, that just really makes sense, as in the sense, you know, if you start from this perspective, whatever field you are in, things change and shift because it's really the foundation you are coming from and that kind of creates a different outcome for certain things is that is that in line with what 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 was your motivation in that sense
1: that is absolutely it. Yeah, um, and and for a long time the project was kind of the t- the tag of the project was mindfulness as foundational. <laughs> mind- mindfulness as a foundational capacity. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's really um, it's it's partly because mindfulness as a foundational capacity isn't very snappy that um, <laughs> we <laughs> carried on trying to find a a new way of framing it. But but not only that, I mean we we'd named the the fact that of this foundational nature, but we needed to do some digging, really, around around what really was the common factor about mindfulness practice that made it foundational to all of these um, diverse and and desirable outcomes. So the first draft of the project, after many reformulations, was called Living on Purpose. What we found was that the, the framework that Applied to all of these scenarios that we were looking at was the framework of intentional action. Mm-hmm. That's what we came to um, to mean by by agency in this context. Um, to be to be an agent, to be acting intentionally and and in a context. This account of mindfulness as as, as being somewhat about agency, also reactivates mindfulness as a practice in the context of social change, of the, the, the very pressing and urgent difficulties that we face as a global community, and what we might want to do about those things together. So we, we arrived at a, at a model of agency based on three very much sort of interlaced, interconnected dimensions of a perception understanding and action they all face their very particular challenges in the modern world and they interact mindfulness training and practice interacts with with these different faculties um, in different ways which we explain in the paper it's difficult it's difficult to it's difficult to pick out just um just little bits of what's actually quite a quite a lengthy piece of work but moving i think now to this sphere of this sphere of action once we've um, once we've gathered our information once we've turned it into intelligence and knowledge using our understanding and um, there's still the there's still the question of carrying out our well-founded intentions and here what's important i think is again back to back to the traditional territory of of the of the mindfulness eight-week course which is the way the way that automatic behavior often governs what it is that we do, we're not um, we're not in charge of our actions as often as as we would like to think we are. And um, we often hear in mindfulness courses about about fight or flight reactions, about the kind of um, the legacy of evolution within us, and those these these primal inputs, instincts kind primal of instincts of, of reactivity. And we talk about the contribution of mindfulness is um, restoring intention as a driver of action um, in in the context of of those drives and also um, restoring values as a driver of action.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, we use a different language, but I think you all have the same approaches in the sense that, you know, it's different to react as to really consciously respond when you are listening, taking in all the information connecting to everything and then having a response instead of like an immediate reaction and there's such a different outcome when you are coming from that place in your doing at least it is for me
1: this is one of the the dearest ambitions of of projects like this is is to make it clear that the the need for mindfulness at that at that level of kind of where decisions of, of, of global importance are being hammered out at the level of, of the individual who is subject to all of these factors, just like the rest of us, that, that that this type of practice can can be incredibly important because we want to be intentional. And we talk um, finally and importantly and throughout, in fact, about collective action in fact collective intelligence and collective action and the fact that um, whatever solutions we find to the um, to the pressing issues that we face will enact them together or or not at all and there are ways that mindfulness can contribute to um, not just to better relating although that's a that's a great part of it to the social fabric and to the bond that facilitates um, that that collective response but also there are um, important studies by people like the Boston Consulting Group about About how collective intelligence as a measurable factor promoted um, by practicing mindfulness within an organisation, which is which feels very important. Yeah,
0: sure. And so, what what would be your next steps now? Now the paper is done. What are you all hoping that it can um, achieve?
1: Jamie Bristow, who is the director of the Mindfulness Initiative and my um, writing partner and life partner, is in the in the process of of ad- advocacy around this uh, this piece, um, introducing it to to audiences around the world, and um, and sharing these ideas with them. And the hope <laughs> the hope is simply to supply advocates of mindfulness with a narrative for for the, re- the, the real and pressing relevance of mindfulness to social change and equally to, to communicate to people working in social change that, um, that mindfulness and practices like mindfulness are part of the picture and, and shouldn't be neglected. So um, I think a, a response in, in both of those areas is, um, I mean, mindfulness and social change is a, is a field in itself. But again, this is, a, this is an effort to build a bridge between that field and what has tended up until now to be kind of a, just a very slightly fractured kind of evidence base and, and way of looking.
0: Yeah, so that might build a bridge to our kind of final question is what we always ask everyone is, you know, just imagine you had a magic wand, and you could create an instant change field of politics, what would be the change you would like to see implemented? Or what would you suggest that might help?
1: I wanted I wanted to bring in what you said in your own statement, um, or your own crazy idea that what would happen if all political meetings could start with a moment of stillness, inviting people to align their thoughts with their gut emotions and their inner wisdom? And I think um, I would just say that my wildest dream for the field of politics would be that that, that, that wouldn't just be a moment at the start of every meeting, but that that could, be, um, that could be the air that we breathe and the water that we swim in when those are the, the levels of decisions that we're taking on, on behalf of the world.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you very much. That just stretches the ambition for us for us all as organizations in this as well. Thank you very much, Rosie, for your time today. Um, as well. If anyone wants some more information, you can find information on our website, inspiritedpolitics.com. And thank you very, very much for joining me here today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure.